you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 15 today. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, we'll read through 23. It says this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, whether visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in him, that in everything, he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation, under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Let's pray. What a passage, Lord. Speak and teach. Speak and teach, Lord, your words, what we need to hear. And what we do here, may it change out there. What we do on Sunday, may it change Monday. Lord, speak. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As you read through the Bible, you begin naturally to have some favorite verses. One of mine would be Romans 8, chapter, I mean, chapter 8, verse 1. Now, there's the, now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. You probably have favorite stories. Two of mine are the prodigal son. We spent four weeks on it a couple of weeks, months ago. And then I love the laborers in the vineyard. You have favorite stories from the Bible. We, we also have favorite verses and favorite stories, but we also have favorite characters. I love Abraham and the faith of Abraham to go and do what seemed impossible and illogical. Or Joshua, who leads in a people following this great leader, but leads the people towards the goal. And then there's some passages that just stand out. And this is one of those passages for me. It's a passage that shows up in your daily devotionals way more than anything else because I just love this passage and it speaks so clearly. I mean, think about what Paul has just said. Jesus is the he. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, that by him and through him and to him all things were made. Before all things, he was there, and he holds all things together. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. In him is the fullness of God, and he reconciles us. 
It's an amazing set of verses that we could spend weeks on, but y'all are hoping we get through the book of Colossians, even though this is week four in chapter one, we're getting there. So we're going to do an overview today, an overview of this text. But what I want us to do, so we're not getting into every weed and every detail of Christological connections. What I want you to do today is to get Paul's intentions. I want you to understand the big picture. Because by learning his intentions, I believe that it will change our tomorrows. So we are reading in the English text, unless you guys wanted to study the Greek text, that wasn't going to help most of us in here today. Um, I could do it about eight years ago, but now I cannot anymore. So um, we're going to study the English text. The Greek text, if we were Greek speakers, would be even more beautiful. It's rhythmic and rhyming. Paul is writing a poem. So he's starting off his letter after greeting the people, after praying to God. Now he is writing a poem. Why would Paul start with a poem? He wants the people to stop and think. He wants them to slow down as they hear the rhythm and as they hear the rhyme. He wants it to stick in their ear like that Taylor Swift song that you just can't get out. I know you, John Grimes, all right? You shake it off, shake it off all the time. He wants it to just stick on you, and you can't help it. And so what is the point of what he is trying to make stick? The big picture is the one who created me is the one who redeemed me, or let's say it a little simpler. He that made me is he that saved me. This is what Paul is bringing to the people. This is how he's starting the letter. He that made me is he that saved me. And so let's dive into what he says about that he, because that's the title of today's message, he and me. So who is the he? He is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Think about that for a moment. When we read the Gospels and when we watch Jesus live his life, we are watching God in the flesh. We are watching how God loves. We are watching how God treats people. We are watching how God cares for people. We are watching how God speaks to people. Jesus is the image of the invisible. First, I mean, John chapter 1, verse 18 says, No one has seen God, but in the Word becoming flesh, as he tells us in verse 14, when the Word becomes flesh and dwells among us, we are seeing God. The children are learning today next door that Jesus shows us God. When we look at Jesus, we are seeing how God works, treats, acts, loved. He is also the firstborn over all creation. This can be confusing because you may know like a Nicene Creed that Jesus was begotten, not made. If you have no clue what I just said, don't worry about it, all right? It's okay. But This is not Jesus was firstborn in time necessarily like the way we think of it because you're going, wait a second, he was born at the, from switch to B.C. to A.D. There was people before him. He had to have a mom, right? We're not talking about the birth of Jesus with Mary in Bethlehem. Jesus, when it's saying he is the firstborn, what we need to understand is that he is first in time before the beginning Jesus was, and he is first in rank. Remember, being the firstborn carried with it lots of uh, responsibilities, but also lots of reward. The firstborn, the heir, received more. And so Jesus is firstborn. He is number one in 
rank and his existence extends beyond time and is before time. Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. He is there before creation comes into being. Because, as it says in verse 16, by him all things were created. He takes a list of visible, invisible, heaven and earth, thrones, powers, dominions, authorities. And then he says, all things were created through him and for him. Everything that we can see and even what we cannot see. Every time we get a better microscope and it goes deeper, a better telescope and it goes further, those are revealing what our Savior and our God made. He has created everything. Those who realize it and those that don't want to recognize it, He made them. What Paul is saying is that Jesus' fingerprints are on all of creation, on everything that has been made. He is in all, and through Him all is made. Think about it with me for a second. When Paul, I mean, when John writes in, first, in John chapter 1, verse 14, he says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word is a name given to Jesus. Now Paul is saying that Jesus created everything. Let's think back to our creation story. How did God create the world? He spoke it. He didn't go to a surplus store of dirt and land and water and animals and say, well, I'm going to take them from this because I'm trying to fill a whole planet over here, guys. No. He spoke, let there be light. Light. Let there be day. Let there be land. Let there be animals. The Word of God is the creative instrument of God. He speaks and it is. And Jesus is the Word of God that becomes flesh. But not only does God create all, everything we can see and even what we cannot see, He sustains all. He holds it all together, verse 17 tells us. Maybe you remember this in your American Civ class or U.S. History class Around the time that the Founding Fathers were putting together the, the Declaration of in, uh, Independence and all of this sort of stuff, what I learned, every single teacher I ever had that covered this topic said that a lot of the Founding Fathers had a deist theology. Does anybody else remember that? Maybe? Okay, a few nods. Okay. Now, a deist theology, they all, every teacher uses this one example, that God was like a watchmaker who made this beautiful watch, who set it into motion, and then just is hands off and just lets it go. Now, this would have been before the days of the CR2032 watch battery that you can go and get at your local kiosk in the mall, right? This was when these things called automatic watches were made. And so you put it on your wrist in the motion of your wrist. Ask Ron about it. I'm sure he can tell you all about it. But he would love to tell you at lunch today, all right? Another plug. Uh, these, the motion of your wrist would keep the watch wound, and it would tick into eternity. It would never stop as long as you were wearing it. That was the theology of the day for some. 
But what Paul is saying is that's not at all how our God works. No, the God who made is the God who sustains it. He is holding it all together. He is not absent from creation. He's not on vacation and going, oh my goodness, I cannot believe what they've gotten themselves into now. No, he is ever present, watching and with us. The God who creates is the God who sustains. He makes the sun rise and the rain fall. He's made the sun stop. He's made the rain cease because he is the sustaining God. So the first, however many verses we've covered, the four, I think, all talk about creation and point us back to what Jesus has done. And now a shift happens in verse 18 where we're looking at this new creation time, kind of this new covenant era, this post-Jesus' resurrection time. Now he starts focusing. So let's read in verse 18 again. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in him, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things. Okay? Listen to how many familiar words there are in these verses. Throw 18 on the screen for me, Kyle. He is. Before it said he's the image of the invisible God. Now he is the head of the body. Look at halfway through. He is the firstborn, not of all creation, but from the dead. That uh, Go to verse 19. In him all things were made. Now in him all the fullness of God is pleased to dwell. And finally in verse 20, through him to reconcile to himself what? All things. So he is, yes, the image of the invisible God, but he is also the head of the body. Jesus is the leader of the church and this church. Jesus is the head of it all. Not a hired pastor, not a denominational leader, not an appointed figure. Jesus is the head of the church. He is also, it says, the firstborn of all creation and the firstborn from the dead. Jesus sets forth for us the pattern of resurrection that will be experienced by all those who trust in him and who confess him as Lord and believe in their heart that he was raised from the dead. In him, everything was created, but in him also the fullness of God is pleased to dwell. I love this picture. Jesus is the perfect picture of God. In my seminary days, we would always study that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. He doesn't oscillate between the two natures within him. He, he doesn't, in some situations, he's not just divine here, and then in other situations, he's human. No, he is fully God and fully man at all times, melded together and operating from that place. Sure, it tells us in Philippians that he puts down some of his divinity and he humbles himself to take on flesh to be man and all of that. But we also see his divinity played out throughout the narrative in the gospel. Jesus, in him, the fullness of God is pleased to dwell. All right, let's, let's take a moment and I'll tell a quick, <clears throat> we'll just do an illustration. In our house, we eat a lot of great value, up and up. 
Value Corner, Hill Country Fair, if you're an HEB shopper. We don't mind because most of the time black beans are black beans, right? Green beans taste like green beans. It's all okay. But I guarantee you there's a few things, and if John Pfaffenberger were here today, I know he would have had some on the list, that you cannot get the generic for. Do you all all have that thing that you're just not willing to, you know, cut the corner on? How many of you is Heinz ketchup a requirement? Okay. Like, even Hunt's, I mean, they try their best. You know, we're really proud of them, but we just can't do it. Some of you Texans are bluebells folks, right? Like, you just got to go bluebell. I don't mind a blue bunny. You know? But Bluebell, I get it. Some of you Texans are Bluebell, especially when you're in College Station that close to Brenham. My goodness, they love their Bluebell. Uh, some of you uh, will not drink anything but a Diet Coke. Don't offer me Diet Pepsi. Uh, you can just allow Sam's to keep all of their Sam's Choice Colas, right? We, we do not sacrifice in this house on those things, right? We, we have these things that most of the time the generic works, doesn't it? You can't really tell a difference is what your mom told you, right? You're just going to blow through it anyway. Just eat it. Fruit snacks is another one. You just got to go Welch's. It's the only one to eat. Fruit Smiles is making a good run, but Welch's is the best. So there are things that most of the time it's close enough, but there's other times that we need the real thing. What I love is that in Jesus, the fullness of God is pleased to dwell. We do not have a partial version. We do not have a close to version. We do not have the Dr. Thunder version of God. We have the fullness of God in front of us living out exactly how God would live and how God would love and how God would act. And finally it says, through him all things were created and through him, in verse 20, reconciliation of all things. Jesus fully repairs all that we have broken. Salvation comes to the created by the Creator. Reconciliation comes to us that have broken everything by the one who made everything. What Paul is basically saying, if you want to walk away, Jesus is awesome. He's great. He's better than you can imagine. He's better than everything else. This week I had a funeral for Barbara Cope. She was a long-term member here. She had unable to attend as she was in a memory care facility the last four or five years. And at the funeral, um, you always ask the family, do you want somebody to sing and play the piano, or are we going to be using a track? How are we going to do this? And maybe you heard the Alan Jackson song playing at different points this morning during the, um, before everybody got here, and that was because that was in the funeral. So we used tracks to play, and most of the time, a live musician, whether it's Kelly or John Wilkerson or Sean Worrell, usually they do a fantastic job of singing at a funeral. 
But we needed to do a track, and so we downloaded, and the final song we sang, or the final song that was played, was Carrie Underwood and Vince Gill's How Great Thou Art. And I've never seen this happen. But in the final verse, or final chorus, as Carrie Underwood is just belting out, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. How great thou art. The people in the audience started clapping and amening. And most of the time you go, well, that's kind of weird. Not in that moment because the presence of God was palpable in that moment. It was amazing to experience that, just how great God is. And I, I just was in that moment just thinking, what if not only our words proclaimed that, but what if our life did as well? What if you just were just so just enamored by God that how great He is just changed every bit of what I was doing and that everybody that came into contact with me, even though it was kind of weird, was just like, holy cow, something is different. He sees who God is and how great He is. I think that's what Paul is trying to bring to our attention. He's saying, guys, don't miss who Jesus is. He's the first in time and in rank and in power. He is God, the true God, the real version of God. He can do all things. He made all things. He sustains all things. And He saves all things. That's the He. And I know we're, we've already deep into this, but I need to look very quickly at the me. Verse 21 and you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. What Paul is saying is Jesus is awesome. He is great. And you, you're alienated from God is how you were. You were hostile towards God. You were doing evil things. You were the enemy of God, the agitator of God. You were working against God in your thoughts and in your actions. You, as Ephesians 2 will tell us, were hopeless and helpless. But Paul doesn't stay there long. Verse 21 is the shortest verse, I think, in the whole passage. He says, this is you, but he, let me get back to he. He, the same he I've been talking about in 15 through 20, he has brought reconciliation through His death so that you may live, so that you may be holy and blameless and above reproach, that you may be innocent. Here's what we need to know, friends. What you do with He determines your eternity. What you do with He determines your eternity. At every funeral, the last four or five I've done, and I'll do this at every one since, I think, I tell everybody in the room, that if your loved one were here right now and could communicate with you, before they would tell you I love you, before they would tell you I miss you, before they would tell you I'm proud of you and it's so good to see you, the very first thing, whether they were a believer or an unbeliever, the very first thing that they would tell you is believe in Jesus. Trust Jesus. The very and most important thing that they would want to communicate to you is that Jesus is the only way of salvation. 
Would they be proud or love you? Sure. But they would want you to know whether they were suffering or worshiping, they would want you to know that, they, that you need Jesus. Romans 10 is clear. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Verse 13, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Last page. What I do with he answers what he does with me. What I do with he determines my eternity. As I reflect over all that we've covered today, and I know it was just an overview, here's what we need to know. The God that made me is the God that saved me. I was alienated, hostile, and evil. He reconciled me, he sacrificed for me, and he died for me. He became hated so that he could make me holy. He was beaten so that I could be called blameless. He was crucified so that I could be reconciled. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation and the firstborn from the dead. He is the one that by whom and through whom and for whom all things are made and are held together. And Paul wants you to stop and to think how great he is. And I want to end with reading this because the he that Paul has talked about, I think and know, is the same he Isaiah wrote about 700 years before that. On the screen, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by his wounds we are healed. He is mocked and beaten, slandered and scorned, spat upon, ridiculed, renounced, shamed, pierced, raised up, naked for all to see, and murdered for all to watch. And He did all of that for me. Church, this is your God, bloodied and beaten, delivered to death, Mocked while he is murdered. He gives his life for me. Do you know him? Is the question. Do you know this Jesus? Because what you do with he determines eternity. Let's pray.